This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. A lot of people like to complain. Complain about everything, start to finish, not this show. This show complains, we don't like to complain. Let me be very clear about that. We like to problem solve. And that's what we're going to work on today. 2.15 p.m. Eastern, about an hour and 15 minutes from now. Evan Wilner, producer extraordinaire. He's got his top 10 list, top 10 rules for storming the court. We're going to solve this. All right? Kids want to storm the court, but there's got to be some restraint, apparently, according to so many people, Gabe Neitzel. So what we're going to do is we're going to release the definitive guide. I'll give you a spoiler. I don't think Evan's got this on the list. There's a guy on Twitter who just suggested court storming. Give them a 10-second Royal Rumble countdown and then let them have at it. That's from Adam Snod. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. S-N-O-D, but I thought that was fantastic. 10 seconds like the Royal Rumble. Horn goes off. Have at it. Everybody's counting down the 10. Yes. That's, that's better than a 60 or 30 seconds look. Does that mean the other team has to hustle to get off the court? Absolutely. But, I mean, these are well-conditioned athletes. They should be able to get off the floor in 10 seconds, right? Yeah. You don't want to get trampled. You're so concerned you're going to get hurt. Get off the court. There you go. You got 10 seconds. We're going to meet you halfway. We're not going to wait 10 minutes to clear the court and then have everyone run down. The hangovers will have worn off. No one's going to want to do it. They're going to leave. Not advocating for that. We're just having some fun here, making some jokes. But the thing is, it's going to be difficult to stay. Everyone hold on for two minutes, then we'll let you go on the court. Part of this is the the, the rebel nature of it. That's why people like doing it. They see the security guards, they want to sprint past them. That's the whole point here. Once you try to put rules on it, people won't want to do it. Royal Rumble 10-second countdown, maybe that works. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. This all stems from what happened Saturday. Wake Forest takes out Duke. Fans storm the court. Star player Kyle Filipowski appears to get hurt. We're not sure the severity of the injury. Some are saying a sprained ankle. More on that to come. Head coach John Shire of the Blue Devils speaking about court storming after the game. I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. You look around the country and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like, when I played, at least it was... 10 seconds in the court, you know, you were storming the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. It's part of it. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. That needs to stop. Is he suggesting the Royal Rumble rule is already in play? It kind of seemed, uh, that's what he seemed to suggest, although, I mean, maybe I'll have to dig through some old tape, just because I got a funny feeling people weren't waiting 10 seconds back in his day of 2010 either at this point. I I, I maybe, I mean, again, they were on the floor before clocks hit zeros, and that can't happen. Correct. You got to find a way to to be better about that, but I also don't think that they were doing the Royal Rumble buzzer back in 2009. They weren't, because if they were... We damn sure be aware of it. Let's be honest. We would love this. The the countdown, the numbers counting down up on the on the jumbotron. Everyone's mm-hmm. going crazy. You're waiting to see if some opposing player isn't paying attention, if he's going to get stormed over because he's not paying attention. He's not getting off the court. It would be fascinating television. I want to fire this question your way. Okay. This is a huge story today. Yes. If this exact scenario plays out. Duke at Wake Forest, Wake Forest wins, court gets stormed, Kyle Filipowski gets dinged up, but it happens in mid-November when the NFL's taking place. Are we even talking about this today? No, it's a footnote, because Caitlin Clark has been the biggest story in college basketball 
men's or women's all season long. And it, Shire mentioned her in in that clip. She got she got hit after they lost to Ohio State on the road in Columbus she earlier got this year. Yeah, she got hit pretty good, and she bounced up. And by the way, she handled it like a pro afterwards. Like, hey, I'm just trying to get off the court. I understand trying to get out of there. I, I by all means rushed the court. I understand it's an exciting situation. So I thought she handled it great after the game. But also, again, she's the biggest story in college basketball this season. Happened earlier this season. It was barely a blip on the radar because we had NFL playoffs to talk about. That's the thing. We don't have the NFL anymore. So things like this are going to be front and center. You have an opportunity to get these things done. But if it happens in November, nobody even cares. We're not talking about this all day long because we have other things to break down. So it shows you just how important it truly is, right? Because you're right, the best point to make, Caitlin Clark is the star of college basketball this year. Not women's college basketball, all of college basketball. That happened, it kind of drew some mentions, but everyone moved past it very quickly because we were probably trying to figure out what was wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's Gabe Neitzel, I'm Joe Fornball, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. All right, for those of you who have been patiently waiting... We appreciate it. The numbers triple eight say ESPN triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Have we reached a point where we need to ban court storming? Brian's in Kansas. Brian, we appreciate the phone call. Your thoughts? Okay, let me let me pose a question to you guys. If this was to happen Saturday in Holy Cross and Navy, and one of the Navy players would have got hurt, would we be talking about this at nauseum like we are today? No, no. But because it's Duke, this is the reason it's being talked about like it is. Caitlin Clark is a way bigger star than what Kyle Filipowski is, and it was talked about for 15 seconds. Duke is the reason this is being talked about. Duke is the Dallas Cowboys of college basketball with ESPN and everybody else. It's just that Uh, fact. If it was anybody else, this would not be talked about like it is. No, if it's one of those blue blood programs, I guess I disagree. I think more the reason why the Caitlin, I'm, I'm with Joe in terms of the reason why Caitlin Clark wasn't talked about is because the NFL was going on and the NFL takes up 90% of our bandwidth while that season is happening. Like if this was UNC, if this was Kansas, if this was Kentucky, if this was a blue blood program and the same thing happened, like if this happened with Kentucky, I think we're still talking about it today, right? Probably. Calipari would have gone nuts afterwards. He would have gone nuts. That That's what it would have gotten everyone going is what he would have said afterwards. Which, to the to caller's point, I do love the fact that in the uh, audio from Coach Shire when he's talking after the game, he mentioned something like, you know, this has been happening way too often to us. How many people that are not Duke fans hear that and they're like, yeah, get over it. Beat it. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to shed any tears for Duke. Not to say we should be laughing. No one deserves to get hurt. But there is a point that because it's Duke, we're talking about it. But also there are so many people that hate Duke. They're probably like, whatever. Go pound sand. Brian in upstate New York. Brian, we appreciate the phone call. Your thoughts. Should we be banning court storming? I just think how many things are we? Well, first of all, how are you guys doing today? Everybody good? Yeah, we're well. Thank oh, you for great. asking. How you doing? Awesome. Sorry. Got to keep formalities here. No, I just, I, how many dumb things in the world have we held on to for a long time? And eventually people like the drinking age is 18 or something like that, where it's like, eventually it's like, it's just kind of dumb. What are we waiting to do is like run into a big group of people and then stand there and look at each other. And I feel like as I played division one uh, lacrosse, I was an athlete, not necessarily in front of that many people, but when you're hanging out on a, a stadium that's built where the crowd can get close enough to you to interact, with charged up athletes, it just is never, ever, ever a recipe for success. I mean, you've got, you know, the Ron Artest situation where like that obviously got out of hand, but when you get people that are, they're focused, uh, you know, I was a part of a game where a player passed away because of a separate thing, but it's like, 
the field is like such a, a separate zone in your mind as a player from what is going on up in the crowd that when they bring that riffraff down to where you are, depending on the emotions that you're having, you're just asking for something terrible to happen. And just because Caitlin Clark didn't get hurt, that's another reason why I don't think people talk about it. If she sprained her ankle and missed her next couple of games because of a scoring record, all of a sudden it might have been talked about a bit more. And I feel like there's not really any reason to hang on to something like that when I also am a security guard at a local Ivy League college for smaller sports and things like that. And my main goal is to keep the kids from doing riffraff. We don't charge the field really in professional sports. They just tell you don't do it or we're going to arrest you. We don't. All right. We appreciate the phone call. Eventually the shot clock runs out. Shot clock runs out. We'll try to get you a radio show one day, but until then, shot clock runs out on the call. Um, some interesting points there. It, 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 imagine Caitlin Clark ruptures her Achilles when that happens. Oof. It changes everything. Like mm-hmm. what we're having right now are enough fridge incidents where we've got to say to ourselves, and I again, I don't want this to stop, but at some point, court storming that is, but at some point, if a major injury does occur, everyone's going to point to these incidents and say, we knew it was coming. We tried to tell you. How come nobody did anything about it? That's the thing. If these incidents had never occurred, you wouldn't have to worry about it because then someone gets hurt and you say, oh, this is so tragic, but you know, we never really thought something like this could happen. It's good-natured fun. Kids have been storming courts and fields forever. But now that we've seen enough with star players getting dinged up, it's only a matter of time if you allow it to continue that a serious injury occurs. And because of that and the lawsuits and the fact that we have this evidence, it's almost like you have to do something about it because it's out there now and it sucks, but it's out there. You have to find a way to direct it. If there's a way to, hey, here's the tunnel where you can go through and whether that's roped off, whether that's a couple extra security guards going, hey, you can go this way, go this way, go this way and try to direct it to give the other team a little bit more time to get off the court. That's the only thing I can, again, think of actually working when it comes to this, because what what Brian brought up was, well, I mean, this is going to happen. You know, he brought up the Ron Artest thing and going into the crowd. They're not taking the crowd further away from a basketball court. There is too much money to be made in those seats. Oh, They're yeah. not going to be doing that anytime soon. So it's a matter of trying to find a way to manage it more than ban it. I just don't see a way where you're going to be able to stop that many college kids from coming onto the floor if that's indeed their intended purpose and that's what they want to do. Hunter, Coleman, Doug, we got a bunch of people on hold. We've got some other things we're going to get to, but if you guys sit tight, we'll try to get you into the show. We promise. We appreciate the patience. More importantly, we appreciate you listening and taking the time to give us a shout. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fornball. With everything that's going on in the college game, you may have missed a huge day in the Association. We're going to get you caught up on everything you need to know about the NBA next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, including on SiriusXM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle 
and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Night on the hardwood. Up the floor, James hammers a right hand dunk. Let's get caught up with Carlin versus Joe's NB A to Z. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to bring you up to speed on everything you need to know that's been going around. Going on around the National Basketball Association, starting with this. Long outlet pass over to Casey for three. Yes! That's a big bucket right there. Denver leads it by 10. Nuggets defeat the Warriors 119-103 in a thriller on Sunday. Triple-double for Jokic. Now has 139, passing LeBron James all-time in NBA history in that category. And this is what you're supposed to do if you're the Denver Nuggets. They kind of limped into the All-Star break. They lost their last three games, two of those against Sacramento. But they've dominated all three games post-All-Star break. This is when you're supposed to build that momentum for the postseason. It's exactly what they've been doing coming out of the break. Audio courtesy of Altitude Radio Network. Three games out of the break for the Nuggets. Three absolute beatdowns. Most importantly, two of them took place on the road. One at Portland on Friday night, which is one thing. They did cover the spread, and it was a monster spread. But going to Golden State and housing the Warriors, much like they did yesterday, that's a sign of what Chris Carlin was talking about last week regarding the Nuggets. He thought they were going to turn it on in the second half of the season, and so far they've turned it on. Three monster wins, two of which came on the road, and that's important because at home this year, they've been an absolute juggernaut. But coming off the break on the road this year, they're like 15-14 and 14 with a negative point differential. There are, they've already housed two opponents on the road. It looks like the Nuggets are rounding in the form. Finds Connaughton, and he drills a three out of the left corner. 11 straight points for Milwaukee. They lead by 10. Thanks for showing up, Sixers. Bucks 119, Sixers 98 as the Bucks get another win. This was a big one for the Bucks because they had a nice win to start their post-All-Star break stretch at Minnesota. And 
the Sixers are different clearly without Joel Embiid, but the Bucks under Doc have had a couple of really good wins only to follow it up with stinkers against teams they should be blowing out. This is what the Bucks were supposed to do in this game. It's exactly what they did and their start. Now this is a team that defensively is figuring it out under Doc Rivers and now Damon Giannis are starting to figure it out figure it out offensively. They keep this role going. Everybody's going to be talking about them being dangerous once we hit the postseason. So this is the thing. So many people hear recency bias, recency bias, recency bias. Why is everyone always talking about it? It's become a catchphrase and a crutch for so many people with their analysis when it comes to how we assess these teams. But when it came to the Bucks, everyone's been talking about how this isn't going to be the year. This is a major disappointment. This is all on Giannis. All the negative angles possible. We're halfway through a season, a singular season in which Dame Lillard's come over. They've already fired one head coach. They brought in Doc Rivers. Give it time. They're still pros. They're elite. And now they're coming off the break, understanding that this is another level of basketball they need to play. First half of the season's one thing. First half of the season's for figuring out the details, seeing where you're at, and whether or not you should make many moves at the deadline. Second half of the season is where you put the foot down on the throttle and you see what you can get the engine up to. And so far, that's what Milwaukee's doing. You might say, well, it's the Sixers without Embiid, but you know what? It's a road game. It's a road game where the spread was five and it was bet down to four and a half, and the Bucks went out and annihilated the Sixers by 14 in the first quarter and won the game by 21 points. That's a statement no matter how you want to look at it. Allen to Nurkic. Left wing, it's O'Neal. A wide open three. Yes, sir. Royce O'Neal. Suns 123, Lakers 113 in a hell of a matchup yesterday, Gabe. Yeah, it was a big game and kind of disappointing for the Lakers in this one because they're a team that is trying to build momentum and the Suns can be such a different team when they're not healthy. And they weren't really a healthy team yesterday. You didn't have Bradley Beal, but you still had KD, you still had Devin Booker, and that was enough, which kind of shows to me the Lakers have a long road to go to prove to me that they can do what they did a season ago and go on that improbable run to a Western Conference Finals. Audio courtesy, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. I think the story from that game yesterday it's more about the lakers than it is about the suns good win for the suns eh. but we saw them come off the break they lost to the mavericks they have some hits they have some misses if you don't have the big three on the court together at the same time the stats versus when they are together on the court wildly different if you're going to make a deep run in the west you're going to need beal booker and durant on the court at the same time for the lakers one and two off the break the one win was a very close win by five over the san antonio spurs where you were a double digit favorite i'm not putting a lot of stock in that i don't think we should expect a whole lot from the lakers towards the end of this season on the right angle he hits the floater two more for fox Big game last night. Sacramento makes a statement in the final game of the weekend, knocking out the Clippers in L.A. 123-107. Audio courtesy of KHTK. That's a big win because, I mean, I don't think that ultimately the Kings are going to catch the Nuggets or the Clippers in terms of the teams ahead of them, but it is a tight race to remain out of the play-in tournament. The Kings, Suns, and Pelicans are all within a game of each other. In fact, they're all just, you know, Six and a half games out of first place. They've played a number of different games there, but that's a tight race. So when you can beat a team ahead of you in the standings to keep pace with everybody else, that is big for the Kings to make sure they're not in that playing tournament. Clippers come off the break. They lose in Oklahoma City against the Thunder by 22 points. They bounce back with a six-point win over Memphis, and then they get annihilated 
by what is it, 16 mm-hmm. to the Kings last night. Good for the Kings. That's a big win. It'd be nice to see that young core continue to take steps forward, maybe make some noise in the postseason. But for all that love surrounding the Kings, or for surrounding the Clippers, mm-hmm. hasn't been a great start to the second half of the season. Lakers are the next game up for them Wednesday, February 28th. Someone's going to lose, and someone's going to come out of the break one and three. Drives and kicks to Shea open. Left side angle three is on the way to Shinga Thunder. Moneyball, how about that? Speaking of which, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they continue to cook and cook with Crisco, taking out the Houston Rockets, 123-110. Audio courtesy, WWLS 98.1, the sports animal. Uh, that's my MVP right there. Shea Gilgis Alexander, yep. 36 points. I'm giving him the MVP. I know Jokic continues to do all these different things, but Shea Gilgis Alexander, when you take a look at that team and where they are right now in the standings, if they continue to be that one or two seed, if they finish ahead of Denver, to me, Shea Gilgis Alexander, 36 points, just 23 shots to get there. Highly efficient, especially for a guard. Give me SGA for MVP. I think that's his 40th 30 point game of the season. Don't quote <laughs> me, it might be 41, but he's had 40. 30-point games this season. Dude is an absolute wrecking ball. Tatum for three, and there's another one. Boston lighting up the garden from three-point range. I don't know. They may never lose again. Celtics take out the Knicks Saturday night. Jason Tatum with the big three there. ESPN Radio on the call. I know the Knicks weren't at full strength in terms of health, and who knows what happens with Julius Randle going forward for the rest of the season. But the Celtics just continue. It seems like every time they go out and you hear the, like the chatter on social media, oh, the Knicks are coming for you. Oh, now the Bucks are coming for you. It doesn't matter. The, the Celtics just seem to make statement win after statement win. I think they're on a level above everybody else right now, and it's probably going to be that way until they prove otherwise because they continue to put on show after show after show whenever they're in these big matchups. 45-12. and 12. They're 26-3 and three at home this season. They're 19-9 and nine on the road. They have a point differential of plus 10.3, which that means for all 57 games they've played, on average, they're outscoring the competition by 10.3 points per game. This isn't high school basketball. This isn't college basketball. <laughs> this is the NBA. This shouldn't be happening. They, it should not be happening. The first year, the Warriors dominated everybody and made a run. They weren't beating people by an average of 10 points per game. And this incorporates the losses, for crying out loud. The Atlanta Hawks. Oh, we're just going with that? What's the update on the Atlanta Hawks? Looking down, Trey Young, from what I understand, will be... Yeah, the Hawks will be operating without star point guard Trey Young for at least one month. The Hawks announced Sunday Young suffered a tear of the radical collateral ligament in the fifth finger of his left hand during Atlanta's 123-121 loss to the Toronto Raptors on Friday. Young scheduled to undergo surgery Tuesday and will be reevaluated in four weeks, Gabe. Yeah, unfortunate, and that probably is ultimately going to knock the Hawks out of the postseason picture. Uh, right now, they're the 10 seed in in the East. Maybe they can still hang on and be in the play-in tournament, but that's, this is not a team that I think is going to become the 7 or 8 seed in the Eastern Conference. Even if they did, they'd get bounced early by the Boston Celtics. Unfortunate because he's fun to play, he's fun to watch, but the Hawks weren't making a lot of noise, even with Trey Young this season. I mean, I thought that year they came out of nowhere and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. It was like, look at what they got cooking in Atlanta. This team is moving in the right direction. Turned out that was a total fluke. They've done nothing but regress since then. And all you can point to is the fact that they had Luka Doncic and traded him to Dallas on draft night so they could pick up Trey Young and more. I don't know in hindsight if that that was the the optimal move. Trey what do, what do I know? I don't run basketball teams. 
Trey's fantastic. Very he's good. great. I love watching Trey. Uh, he's not an MVP candidate. No, he is not Luka Doncic. <laughs> the legendary Peter King is retiring, and on the way out the door, he gave us a very juicy nugget in his column this morning when it comes to the Chicago Bears keeping Justin Fields. But is it realistic? That is coming up next. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. But first, we have this from Granger. And for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and the experience to answer all your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I feel like the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just want it to be over. Just let me know if I'm getting traded. Let me know if I'm staying this tonight. Justin is well aware he is out of Chicago. He's not coming back. They're trading him. He's beginning the process of moving on. I think this is something that the Chicago Bears need to get wrapped up by the end of the combine, which starts next Thursday, because it's almost like musical chairs, and once all of the chairs get filled up with quarterbacks on the quarterback carousel, you lose leverage when it comes to the potential return you can get in the Justin Fields trade. Huge week around the National Football League as all the mines are going to descend upon Indianapolis and the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's for this year's 2024 Scouting Combine. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Chicago Bears on the clock at number one. Good friend of mine. He's covered the Bears for over 20 years. Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune. Kind enough to join us here on Carlin versus Joe Bigsy. Appreciate the time. Uh, big offseason for you with the Bears drafting number one and number nine overall. It was right around this time last year that the Bears traded that number one pick to the Panthers. How close do you think we are on Chicago reaching a decision as to whether or not they want to trade that pick or they want to stick with Justin Fields? Yeah, I, I think they probably are going to need to have a really good idea of which direct direction they're headed, at least generally speaking, when business wraps up here in Indianapolis, what, next Monday? I think that's when the offensive linemen do their thing. 
So you would think they've gotten far enough along that they've got a decent idea um, of what business they want to prioritize this week, who they want to meet with, um, and, and kind of gauge where things are at. What are the chances they just decide that they don't want to make a decision and they just take Caleb Williams with the first overall pick and decide to keep Fields as an insurance policy? I don't know, man. (laughs) I figure Caleb Williams is going to get an awful lot of attention wherever he goes. ESPN's going to be there. The network's going to be there. Um, You keep Fields and Williams... And that that sounds like you're just kind of you might you might as well have some some jugglers there and relevant going to be in town, right? Um, if if you're drafting Caleb Williams or another quarterback with the number one pick, you're doing so because you're saying, hey, we haven't gotten adequate quarterback play from the guy we've had. Uh, so I, I just don't see that as a likely scenario. Brad Big, Chicago Tribune, joining Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. A lot of different theories have been posited this time of year. Outside of Caleb Williams, is there any sort of chance the Bears could make any sort of move going down one, maybe trading with New England at three, whatever it is, and still taking a quarterback? Essentially, drafting a quarterback, just not drafting Caleb Williams. Yeah, that's a great question, Joe, it, because I'm of the belief they have to take a quarterback in this draft. And when I say have to, meaning they believe they have to. Like, this isn't what does Brad think they should do. This is what does Brad think they're going to do. And I believe they feel like they have to come out of this draft with with a quarterback. If maybe there's a guy that emerges that they say, hey, we really like this guy. We think we can get him at two or at three. Or we know Washington would be coming to get Caleb. And we're super amped about. J.J. McCarthy, I, I, you know, you fill in the name there at number two for them. I suppose there's a possibility of that happening, but here's what I see playing out at some point over the next say, six weeks. At some point, Ryan Poles and his staff and the coaches need to reach a conclusion on how they're going to stack their quarterback draft board, okay, what it's going to look like. Here's the guy at number one, and we go through however many names you want to have, six, eight, whatever you want to do. And then after they reach that point, you figure they've got to have a meeting with ownership and the team president, Kevin Warren, and they've got to show them the draft board for the quarterbacks, probably answer some questions as to why, you know, we've got them arranged in this order because of A, B, C, and D, and you're going to explain that. After that process, Man, how in the world could the team with the first pick in the draft, a team that's been trying to replace Sid Luckman since the end of the 1940s, <laughs> come out of this draft without their number one quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because if you trade with Washington and you think Washington's coming to get Caleb and Caleb isn't your top guy, well, once you trade with Washington, you don't control the pick anymore. Anything could happen. Washington could turn around and flip the pick. Who knows? So, um, it's going to be fascinating. Oh, by the way, these guys have got a ton of salary cap room. Now, everybody got a boost with the cap going up uh, so much, but a huge offseason for the Chicago Bears. Quick follow-up. Most people, when they mention Caleb Williams and then they name another quarterback, they would say Drake May or they would say Jaden Daniels at LSU. 
you said Caleb Williams and then J.J. McCarthy. Do you think he could be in play for number two or three up there? I I think anything's possible. Okay. I know, l- listen, talking to people this past fall, going to Ann Arbor to see him play Ohio State, I, NFL folks really like him. NFL folks probably would have preferred to see him uh, cut it loose a little bit more in Jim Harbaugh's offense or what was Jim Harbaugh's offense when Jim Harbaugh was in timeout and not allowed to coach the Wolverines. But um, <laughs> you know, in terms of makeup and, and some of the physical abilities that he's got, I, I wouldn't rule him out. I, at this point, I sure wouldn't. And, and if you're talking about quarterbacks that could go in round one, I think there's some people that like Bo Nix. And, and I'm, I am not talking about Bo Nix at one or two or three, okay? But if you're talking about round one, and, and I would have been skeptical about that, you know, four to six weeks ago. I, th- I think there's some people that like him, too. It's going to be really interesting uh, to see how this thing shakes out. Brad, the last time they were in this position and ended up taking a quarterback in Justin Fields, they had a couple of lame ducks that they eventually got rid of with Ryan Pace at general manager and Matt Nagy at head coach. How secure are the jobs of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus if they end up taking a quarterback here to try to... We know young quarterbacks, you know, better chance to succeed if they have consistency around them. But are those jobs even safe going forward for the Bears? I think Poles is in a pretty good spot. You know, when he got hired, I think he sold them on, hey, you know, this this is what you got. This is what you need. This is going to take some time. Um, you, nobody likes to use the word rebuilding, but, like, it's clear to everyone watching that that's what they did. They ate a bunch of uh, dead cap uh, space in, in that first year. They were terrible. Um, but look at what they've done. They've gotten better defensively. Uh, that Montez Sweat move looks like it's really going to pay off for them moving forward. Certainly he made a huge difference for them in the second half of this past season. They've got a lot of young players that have um, gotten ample playing time and, and look pretty good, and you're hoping to see some more growth from. So I think the GM's pretty well positioned. In terms of the coach, that was a fair question in December and early January. Hey, what are they going to do here? Would they prefer an offensive-minded head coach knowing that there's a good chance they're going to go out and draft a quarterback? And I think some of the improvements that Eberflus made um, as the play caller on defense because they had some turnover there uh, helped them out. And um, you know, maybe it's a situation where they didn't want to uh, hold him accountable uh, 100% for the quarterback because, again, you, you know the quarterback was acquired before Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles arrived. Um, ton of questions about this team they've they they got better as the year went on guys but they're still you know they're operating from the the cellar uh, of the uh, nfc north and and they've, they've got to get better great insights brad biggs chicago tribune kind enough to join us here carlin versus joe on espn radio thank you biggsy enjoy your time at the combine have a great week guys we get some breaking news in the NFL as a legit Super Bowl contender has found a way to keep one of their biggest stars, at least for now. He's Gabe Knight, so I'm Joe Fornball. That's next on Carlin vs. Joe on ESPN Radio, including on TuneIn. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee 
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. As always, want to spend a quick moment. Thank you to all of you for spending some of your time listening to us today. It means the world to us, and it's important that every now and again we let you guys know because without you guys, we're just essentially just two idiots on microphones speaking into the abyss, which probably wouldn't be the first for you, Gabe Neitzel. I know it wouldn't be the first for me. Well, but instead, now we're, you know, two idiots with microphones who get to speak to people. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a slight upgrade, but, I mean, it's a little bit of a difference. We can we can influence you in horrific ways. <laughs> Speaking of court storming. All right. Thanks again. We appreciate the support. Um, the big news out of the National Football League today, the Cincinnati Bengals have placed the franchise tag on wide receiver T. Higgins. That's what a source told ESPN on Monday. Zach Taylor, the head coach, released the following statement, quote, T has done an outstanding job for us since we drafted him in 2020. I'm glad that he'll continue to be a big part of our offense and our team. Higgins will get a one-year deal that's worth $21.8 million, which is the current amount in regards to the franchise tag for the wide receiver position. Quickly, before we get to another story that is just too juicy to pass up. How would you rank the AFC North as of right now? I don't want to talk playoffs. I just want to talk, if you were an odds maker, okay. setting the odds for the favorite, second, third, and fourth favorites in that division, how would you stack it? I would say my order would be Ravens 1, Bengals 2, Browns 3, Steelers 4. What if Justin Fields lands with the Steelers? Does that adjust them at all? Uh, probably not, just because that's still a really good roster okay. for Cleveland. What would you do? So you have the Ravens over Cincinnati, even despite yet another playoff flameout. Well, yeah, but uh, but this is this is a separate conversation than that, isn't it? This, this is the regular is, season. We're talking yeah. about the regular season. We're talking about potentially winning that division. That's a separate conversation. When it comes to regular season, trust Lamar, trust the Ravens. Yeah. And hey, I've said it all along. Lamar Jackson, Joel Embiid, shake hands. Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers, shake hands. Two great MVP candidates, star players who can dominate the regular season, can't win in the playoffs. Two franchises that can win a lot of regular season games, can't close when it matters. People hate that analogy. I don't know why. It's pretty perfect, if I may say so myself. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fornball, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. From Superchargers, Exhaust Kits, and more, eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You want great audio? We've got great audio. Russell Wilson. Current quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Didn't say starting quarterback. Didn't say former quarterback. Currently a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Was on the I Am Athlete podcast. Had some interesting things to say that people have been breaking down all morning long. Take a listen. So you sitting here at 35, say you feel the best you've ever felt 
Do you still have that obsession? I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I committed there, I wanted to be there. You know, I wanna be there. For me, it's about winning. Over the next five years, I wanna win too. I wanna feel the chill of that trophy again. You know, I, I love the city and everything else, but you know, you also wanna be a place that, that wants you too. So the thing that I, I, I wanna do is, is, is win, man. That's all, that's all I care about. Over the next five years, Gabe Neitzel, Russ wants to win two Super Bowls and he wants to fill the chill of that trophy again. Your thoughts? He was he was doing so well. I mean, everything else he was saying, it was fine. We were good. Hey, I still want to win. I still want to do these things. Of course I want to be in Denver. I commit. Like, you're doing all the right things. And then sometimes Russ operates as if, to me, like he thinks, he's trying to say what pe- he thinks people want to hear, but they want to hear you based in reality, Russ. You want to win two in the next five years? You haven't even sniffed going to one of these games in, what, a decade at this point? They went in 13 and 14 out in Seattle. They haven't done anything since. I mean, he hasn't really done much in his career since then. And when you say something like that, I mean, who wants for you to say that out loud right now? You think that? Do you think that's going to help you get a job going forward? Do you think that's going to be attractive to the Falcons or whoever ends up signing you after the Broncos just outright release you because nobody's going to trade for that contract? What, I, I just don't understand why he would say that. I understand that can be an internal motivation, but you just can't do and say some of these things out loud that Russell Wilson constantly is. I think he's just a different guy, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the he's saying that, or at least your thoughts. He's saying that because he thinks that's what people want to hear. He's always kind of struck me as a guy who he's trying to understand what the right thing is to say, and then he's going to say it, but it's not really genuine or authentic. It's not what he's actually thinking. I mean, sure, I'm sure he wants to win two more Super Bowls in the next five years. Who doesn't? But I don't think that's the message he's necessarily like deep down trying to get across. I think in his mind, he won't say it out loud, but it's the whole, like, I would like to keep my career going. I would like to find a way to start again. But he doesn't want to say that because maybe it shows signs of weakness. But ultimately, the further he gets away from those years in Seattle, just the worse it looks. The worse it looks from a performance standpoint, the worse it looks from a leadership standpoint, the worse it looks from a realistic standpoint. He's, he's starting to remind me of the post-Philadelphia era for Donovan McNabb. Now, McNabb never really said anything like this, but... There was McNabb in Philly, who a lot of people would argue could have made a case at the Hall of Fame. Uh, A lot of times the argument was Hall of Very Good. McNabb was very good, but not great enough to get into the Hall of Fame. But there was a discussion there. Outside of that, when he went to Washington, it really fell apart. And then people forget, at the end, he ended up in Minnesota for a spell, and that was the tail end of it. It was just he was in a great system with a great coach in Philly during his prime. They knew how to get the most out of him, and the further he got away from that, the worse it got. And that's what it looks like for Russ. With Pete Carroll and the general manager, John Schneider, in Seattle, with everything they built around him, it looked great, and then they knew when it was time to go. Like, Do you remember when the Eagles—I remember exactly where I was when the Eagles traded McNabb on Easter— It was an Easter evening, Sunday night. He was traded to the Washington, now known as the Commanders, and everyone was shocked. How could you get rid of McNabb? The Eagles knew, just like Seattle knew. Is that far off base? I don't think that's far off base, especially when you're trading within the division. As Philadelphia did. Right. That, should have been, that should have been huge red flags Washington for Washington. should have been like, why the hell is, is our division rival willing to hand us their starting quarterback? 
and and with at least with Seattle, I think there was enough there that maybe you thought it was kind of Russ's decision that he wanted to move on because there were enough rumblings to those last two seasons in Seattle. It's like, well, maybe Russ isn't happy in Seattle when I think we've kind of learned that it was Seattle was like, yeah, go ahead, take him. Take him off our hands. We're not going to pay him. We're going to take this huge haul back. And they end up going to the postseason with Geno Smith at quarterback. And I think that points to, yeah, Seattle knew what they were doing. And, and you know, now Denver's kind of stuck holding the bag and they're going to have to have a huge cap hit to get rid of him. The question becomes, who's going to want Russell Wilson at this point? When's the last time there was a positive piece that was put out there about Russell Wilson? You're going to be taking on a massive risk if you want this guy to come in and try to lead your team. How massive? Because let's face it, Denver's on the hook for the, for the finances. So someone who's desperate just to gain some attention at the quarterback position... Upgrade over a lot of guys in the league, at least guys that can't play. You got to figure if it's really cheap, couple million dollars, and Denver's on the hook. Why not? Yeah, you might. But I think about a team like Atlanta that's already young. They've got some young pieces in place. Do you want to set back that clock by bringing in Russell Wilson or take a risk on somebody else who's younger? That's that, that's what I think of a team like Atlanta. In all likelihood, Justin Fields is available in a trade, but another young quarterback may become available and may be a better option. That's next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, including the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 